Welcome back to the Anal Podcast. Today we have a special Wednesday monologue episode. I invite you to join Rose as she sits down to speak on what is happening around her every day. Trigger warnings for this episode um, are numerous, mostly emotionally charged, as well as discussion of COVID and the ramifications of the disease, as well as death. So please be prepared. Um, And I hope you enjoy this episode of the Anal Podcast. Well, I'm recording this today to try and open up some people's eyes and try to, you know, give them a little tidbit into my life as an intensive care unit nurse. Hopefully I'm loud enough because I tend to get a little quiet when I talk emotionally about uh, different things, but I really wanted to record this today for my own sake as well as, you know, informing other people of the real reality because it hurts to go on social media and to see people, you know, falsifying information, to see people denying and denying information, to see my friends and colleagues hurting because nobody believes us and what's going on and this is our daily lives i am a traveling icu nurse um currently i'm in north carolina i was contracted in a cardiovascular intensive care unit i've been pulled to the neuro intensive care unit and the medical intensive care unit. Um, The medical intensive care unit is really just the COVID ICU. Uh, They don't have any other patients other than COVID, in which they also have overflow floors for. It has been a really tough last few months. I am here in North Carolina by myself. I left uh, my boyfriend. I left my kitties. I left my friends and family at home to come here to work uh, 48 hours a week, 412s, and pretty much get my ass handed to me. So this monologue is going to just talk about what I see on a daily basis. Um, the patient population isn't what you would think. It's not the 80-year-olds. It's not even always the 70-year-olds. The majority of the time, it's been 20s to 50s. These patients are really sick. Uh, We get patients that are vaccinated, but it's still much fewer, and they are way less sick than the patients that are unvaccinated. In the medical ICU, I've been there the last uh, two shifts, and my first shift, we withdrew care on a 36 year old who had two kids under 10 at home and they weren't my patient but they were the patient that was right beside my assignment so i mean when you're a nurse all the patients are your patients you answer call lights you answer beeping iv poles you don't ignore things because in the icu you ignore it for a couple minutes and if that patient's blood pressure is requiring that medication that you're letting that IV pump beep, they could die. So you are always helping your fellow nurse. You are always cognizant of what's going on and the patients around you and 
So this patient was um, not getting better and had been on the ventilator for weeks, was on continuous dialysis. The family had a family meeting and decided to withdraw care because there were no other routes to be taken. And I had to just try and continue taking care of my two COVID patients while listening to their family come in two people at a time and just stare through a glass window at their loved one. I just heard the sobs of a fiance who just lost the love of her life. And it was so hard. And as a healthcare professional, you just have to keep it together. You can't, I mean, you can sometimes cry with them, but it's not your place. You have to be strong and try and hold them up when they're sinking into the ground. There's no words that can make anybody feel better when they are watching their loved one be extubated and pass away within five minutes of being extubated because their saturations drop into the 30s and their heart gives out. Oh God, this is so hard to talk about. When I was in another room yesterday helping to prone a patient, we had five nurses in the room. We had one nursing assistant. We had two doctors and one respiratory therapist all to turn a patient that was on her belly back onto her back. We turn patients on their stomachs so their lungs can have a little bit of an easier time to inflate. Uh, that's been one of the ways that we try to help patients heal when they're maxed out on ventilator settings and there isn't anything else we can do and their saturations are still in the 80s, which is not okay. Your organs aren't perfusing well enough at that point. Uh, so we were flipping her back onto her back again, which is a... It has to be very strategically planned. Everyone has their place. Everyone has their buddy that they are like lined up with. So when you're flipping the said patient back over, you're grabbing the right set of sheets to do it in one, we do it in three steps and to do it very carefully because these patients have central lines. They have, you know, eight drips. 12 drips running depending on you know how sick they are they have a ventilator so they have a, a breathing tube in and um like the respiratory therapist will be the one that always watches the airway and the two docs were up by the head of the bed as well and while we were in the room we were getting everything ready and getting all the sheets ready because we put all fresh sheets on top of the patient. That way when we turn them, they're on fresh sheets and we don't have to do more rolling because more rolling just usually makes it worse in the patient and their O2 sets drop. So we were talking while we were waiting for respiratory to come out because she was busy in another room because there's only so many respiratory therapists as well. And 
the medical ICU nurses said there hasn't been a successful extubation in months where someone has survived COVID after getting an intub intubated. Uh, so that's pretty scary. So just knowing that if my loved one were to go into the hospital and would have to have a breathing tube that the majority of these people almost all don't come off. I mean, if you ever have a loved one that's going to be needed to be ventilated, tell them that you love them for the last time. Talk to them before they get that tube. Because after that, you won't be able to. <laughs> we had a 25-year-old die last week. Just seeing these patients' moms and dads and brothers and sisters just sob outside the room is heartbreaking. And his nurses were just a little desensitized to it. At work, we have to be because we have to hold it together because we have to keep taking care of all these people. But these people aren't doing well. I had a patient uh, two days ago and she was a do not intubate or do not resuscitate. She did not want compressions and she did not want a breathing tube. So they were going to transfer her to a long-term acute care facility hospital, a little bit closer to home. But she wasn't doing very well. And to be honest with you, I don't even know if she survived that trip over because she was on 100% of oxygen with 60 liters bled in to an OptiFlow machine, which is basically a really special oxygenation through a nasal cannula that delivers the highest amount of oxygenation before you have to put on like a BiPAP mask. And that's a full face mask to force air into your lungs and keep your lungs open to force air continuously in and out. Um, so she was on the nasal cannula because she could not keep the BiPAP mask on. It was just really too uncomfortable for her. So we had her on that. And then her stats wouldn't stay above in the 80s with just that. So we had a non-rebreather mask, which delivers 15 liters of 100% oxygen over top of that. And that's been the norm. Um, patients on two forms of super, super high oxygenation. Uh, just switching this patient over when the EMS ambulance crew got there to transfer her, just switching her over to their machine, her O2 dropped into the low 70s. And that's not good. Um, it's not good at all. She took a really long time to recover. And it was really terrifying because at that point, you know, if your saturations are that low for that long, your organs start shutting down. I mean, your heart could stop at any point. And when somebody is a DNR, you don't do anything. I mean, if their heart like stops, stops, you don't do anything. If they start getting sicker and sicker, yes, you can give meds and you can try different forms of therapy. But if they're not an intubation or a resuscitation, if they stop breathing or if their heart stops, you, there's nothing you can do. That is, they have made their choice and they do not want more life-saving therapies. So you just keep their dignity and let them pass away as peacefully as you as you can.
I've had to see my therapist once a week due to just the PTSD of work and being down here alone. I mean, people may say, oh, you're a traveler nurse, you know, you make the big bucks. No amount of money. <laughs> no amount of money can make any of this that I'm seeing okay. It doesn't make it any easier. It's really hard being somewhere all by yourself, meetups and hours away from home, all by myself in this apartment alone. So I, I go to work every day and I see people die and then I come home and just sit in an apartment by myself trying to just guide my way through my thoughts and my feelings about everything. <laughs> I mean, these are people that come into the hospital that, you know, want all this care and treatment, but denied the virus was even real for months. <laughs> like, I just get so angry and frustrated. We've been dealing with this for so long, but... <laughs> People still don't get it. People still think this is fake news. People still think the vaccine is just somebody trying to chip you. Are you fucking kidding me? I first-handedly see that the vaccine causes people to not get us sick. Like, don't give me that shit that people are just trying to watch you and track you. They've been tracking us for months and months and years with our cell phones. Y'all are idiots if you don't think that is real. <laughs> I've always been listening to us. What do you think Alexa and the Echo Dot and all that bullshit's doing? Guys, just give her, give me a break. No, the vaccine is actually saving people's lives because they're not ending up as sick as they can get. And they're not ending up on ventilators and still need oxygen. But it's because this Delta variant is worse than anybody's ever seen. It is making people so sick. It doesn't... The virus doesn't care if you're 25 or if you're 85. It's it's ravaging your lungs. It's causing so much scar tissue to build up that your lungs are just stiff. And when your lungs are stiff, they, they don't oxygenate your body properly. Um, we can try everything. We I mean, we give patients everything. Steroids, antibiotics, everything that we can to possibly keep you alive, but so many times there is just not enough i go to work i wear two masks when i go into a patient's room i wear goggles over my glasses i wear two head coverings because i wear one that i wear like to work like cute scrub caps and then i wear a plastic one over top and then i put on a gown a big plastic art drag I put on gloves I put on shoe covers and I walk in looking like I'm on a biohazard facility and that's what these patients see what a ventilator confused it's sedated but not completely because a lot of times we need to know that you're still neurologically in there 
a lot of these patients are paralyzed because if they even move at the slightest, their oxygenation drops to critically low levels. So we have to paralyze you, which is terrifying. Can you imagine not being able to move a single thing because of medication? And then we have to sedate you because we don't, God, we don't want you to remember being paralyzed, being awake, but not having any control of anything. At that point, the ventilator is completely doing all the work for you because your lungs are so stiff that we have to do all the work for you. I wish people understood. I know everybody wants to get back to living their regular lives. God, I wish I could. I used to love being an ICU nurse. <laughs> I used to love going to work and taking care of people and seeing them get better. <laughs> but people weren't getting better. They're just dying. <laughs> and we would, we'll do everything for you. We'll start you on every fucking drug we can. Now the pharmacies are running out of specific drugs. So, yesterday we just got word that we're critically low on ketamine. <laughs> Which is a sedation medication. <laughs> so now they're switching to different drugs that we're not running low on. And the, this conversation came up in the patient's room that we were proning. And this one doctor, who is from India, was talking about how scared he was because of these medications starting to run out. We're running out of ketamine. We're running out of propofol. Those are medications that are seriously important. And he said that, you know, he expected this in India. And, like, it wasn't a surprise when he was hearing about that because his parents were over there. But now that it's happening in the U.S., scared. He doesn't know what's to come. <laughs> He watched three patients in the ER die after being proned because they didn't have any ICU beds. So they had to be intubated in the ED and prone, put on their belly, and none of them lived. That was all within a week. This shit is so real and it's so bad. I urge anyone and everyone who has the opportunity to get the shot to just fucking get it. There's always going to be things that you put in your body that you don't know all the ingredients of. Kids always had to have a vaccine passport before going to school. They had to have a pa vaccine passport just to work in the hospital system. This vaccine being mandated, this is not something that's not normal. It's just not normal because of the dire situation that we're in. And the amount of pushback is so scary. And you don't get the vaccine, and then you get sicker than shit, and then you come to the ER demanding every treatment for you? Why do you deserve that when the patient that did get the vaccine, but is on chemotherapy and immunosuppressed, gets sicker than shit too? What should make you more deserving of care and treatment? Nurses 
healthcare professionals, people that work in the hospital system, we're the last line of fucking defense. We are literally the gatekeepers to fucking death. So we are the last line. You need to be protecting yourselves and doing everything that you possibly can do. You need to wash your hands. You need to wear your mask. You need to take care of yourself. People just seem to think that we signed up for this. I did not sign up to go to work every day and watch people die. I signed up as a healthcare professional, as a nurse, to help people heal and get them back to where they were, to live their lives again and feel better. I didn't sign up to be a fucking grim reaper and to constantly be putting people in body bags. You're an ignorant, selfish person if you think that healthcare professionals signed up for this. I will do anything in my power to make somebody feel better. And I know that every other practitioner and healthcare provider would too. We're tired of being called heroes. I don't feel like a hero when my patients die. I feel like I failed them. Even though I know deep down there was nothing else we could have done. I don't want to work as a nurse forever now. I thought that this was my calling. I've always felt a need to help and care and love people. But now I'm not so sure. I know a lot of other nurses feel the same way. And a lot of people are leaving healthcare. That's why there's such a nursing shortage. It's not because there's not a number of nurses. It's because we're too burnt out. Nurses that were going to retire, you know, in four years from now are retiring now. Because they can't physically take it anymore. We're all just trying to take care of each other. I know this monologue is really depressing. COVID has ruined the life that we know it. And I don't see an end in sight. Especially now with the ignorance. Things change so quickly. Hospitals are filling up, so... If you go to the ED and expect to be cared for within an hour or two, you're so wrong. You're going to be there for hours, hours waiting. Unless you're actually critically ill where you like stopped breathing, you're going to be waiting a very long time. Very, very long time for care. Use your intelligence, which is <laughs> few and far between anymore. I also think people need to start having conversations about wills. I don't give a fuck if you're in your 20s or your 30s and you don't think that you need to have a living will. Well, I'm telling you right now, you do. Everyone should. Because people that young are dying constantly. So 
You should worry about having a document that tells everyone what your wishes are. It's really important because once you get on that ventilator, and like I like I'm telling you right now, you don't come off the majority of the time. If you're sick enough to go on a ventilator, your lungs they're damaged extremely bad because with COVID, we try for as long as we possibly can to keep you off the ventilator. So if you're at that moment, you're sick. You're really, really sick. I too would love to go to a music festival. I would love to go to a concert or a show or even just see more of the people that I love and care about, but I don't get that luxury because I'm trying to keep people away from me so I don't get them sick. I follow many accounts on social media for nurses and everyone's saying the same thing. We're tired, we're overworked, ratios aren't safe because of how many patients are there and how little they're supporting co-workers and nurses. Administration doesn't give a shit. People quit, they'll just try and find a replacement for less money. Well, you know what that's doing? That's impacting the care of your loved one. Because when somebody in the ICU has three patients and all of them are on a ventilator and all of them are extremely sick and we're running from room to room trying to get the medications and the bottles hanging full along with all the other parts it takes to be an ICU nurse because that patient is completely incapacitated so we are doing everything for them making sure that their feeds are running turning them so they don't get pressure sores making sure that if they went to the bathroom that they're clean keeping an eye on their urine output because if their urine output starts to drop that can be an early sign of acute kidney injury and we want to try and reverse that before we get to the point of dialysis keeping an eye on lab work making sure your oxygenation is okay suctioning you means forcefully gagging you with the breathing tube by shoving a cannula it's called inline suction down through the tube and it tickles your lungs and it gags you and it makes you cough and that's how we get the junk out of your lungs it's not comfortable and it sucks watching people gag and choke and cough and what we try and do is just give you more pain medicine and more sedation medication but we have to keep you at a certain point awake enough that we can still check on your mental status because people are having strokes with the blood clotting disorders with COVID. So we need to make sure that you can squeeze our hand on both sides with the same amount of strength. We need to make sure that you can hear us. So yeah, you are still a little bit awake when you're on the ventilator. You don't just get to forget about it. It's traumatic. People are traumatized. And if you don't think healthcare workers are traumatized watching these people, you're so fucking wrong. I mean, I always apologize when I'm suctioning somebody. I just try and tell them it's okay, it's okay. It'll be done extremely quick. I'm so sorry, I have to do this. I have to get the junk out of your lungs so you can breathe better. I'm so sorry you're uncomfortable. 
I'm so sorry you're in pain. I'll give you more pain medicine. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm, I'm hurting. I'm having a hard time, too. <laughs> Calling patients' family members in the room and putting the phone on speaker so even though they can't talk back, they can at least hear their loved one's voice. I got to do that the other day. It was the first time. <laughs> My patient had been able to hear his mom's voice in like a week or so. Because he had finally woken up enough. He was so sick. And we had to keep him so sedated so he wouldn't move. And he finally got to the point where he was breathing a little bit better on the ventilator. So we were able to wake him up a little bit more. And he was following commands, thank God. And he could listen and hear. And I was able to take a little portable phone in and... I call his mom and put her on speakerphone. And me and the respiratory therapists were in the room, and I let I let him her talk to him for like at least twenty minutes, and he heard her. And I relayed to her that he nodded his head, and they squeezed my hand, and that he mouthed "I love you," and she was crying, telling him that it was all gonna be okay that his animals were taken care of, that the family was okay, just to worry about getting better. And when I got out of the room, the respiratory therapist told me how wonderful it was that I did that for them and that it was really emotional. And it was really emotional. <laughs> I wish we could just all love each other look out for one another because maybe we wouldn't be in such a bad situation here the united states is full of a lot of selfish people a lot of people who don't care about anything unless it affects them well it's gonna affect them at some point and when it does we we might not have an icu bed for you to go to you might have to sit in a waiting room of an er with your oxygen saturations in the 70s because there isn't a provider to see you yet there just isn't they're dealing with the other 150 patients in the ER. And you came in late, so you have to wait. Just take care of each other. Take care of yourself. This is a really, really challenging time for everybody. Everybody's mental health is deteriorating. Remember that you have to take care of yourself. Or how are you supposed to take care of anybody else? That's why I see a therapist often. That's why I try and drink as much water as I can and eat it eat as best as I can, even though that doesn't always happen. And I call my loved ones as much as I can. I want you all to know that healthcare providers are hurting and tired and overworked and overwhelmed. And we're sorry that we can't always provide the best care because it's just not possible sometimes. We can't always just turn you every two hours to rent a pressure sore if we've got three patients and all of you are trying to die. Your skin is the least of our worries. Now we're worried about keeping your blood pressure at an okay level so you don't die. So yeah, I feel bad when I can't 
prevent a pressure sore from happening because I don't have the time to go in there every two hours. I mean, I have to completely garb up and, and don all, all sorts of gear to go into your room. And everybody's always in their, in their patient's room. So trying to even find somebody to come in and help me can be challenging. Well, I don't know what else to say to this monologue. This is all the truth. This is what I'm seeing as an ICU nurse. ICUs are full. We also don't let people have more than an hour to mourn their loved one in the ICU. Because we can't. Because we need to get the body out of the room so we can fill it with another body. Or that other body is going to die. So, you don't even have a lot of time to spend with your loved one. We have to cut it down to an hour. We have to. Or else somebody else is going to die. How awful is that? We have to cut your time and limit it. To see your loved one. So we can try and save somebody else's loved one. <sighs> I hope that this is a wake-up call. But unfortunately, I feel like some people are past the point of being woke. They just don't care. And I wish you did care. Because I'll care for you even if you didn't care for yourself. I will break my back trying to keep you alive. Even though you couldn't even wear a fucking mask in the grocery store. Now here I am risking my life and my family's life. Being with all the other nurses. Every day we come in and we come home. And we have to take our scrubs off and try to do our best to not touch anything. Get right into the shower and decontaminate ourselves. I mean... I'm only 25 and I'm so thankful that I don't have kids yet because I couldn't imagine being a nurse and having to come home and worry, am I gonna give this to my children? Cause kids are getting sick right now too. Really sick, really, really sick. I hope and pray that we can all get through this, but future is looking bleak right now. And I'm a little scared of what's to come. Well, I guess I'm going to end it on this note. Yes, this is a very depressing monologue. This is my fucking life. This is my life. This is what I get up to do every day. Watch people fucking die and try and prevent it. So yeah, it's depressing. Open your fucking eyes and realize this is not just my life. This is a million other people's lives. Your healthcare workers are exhausted or tired of fighting for people who don't even care to be fought for. So wake the fuck up and care about something other than yourself. Because that's the only way we're going to make it through this. Rose RN, signing off.